This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey hikers, this is Bird Shooter, and welcome to episode number 34. Tonight on the show we're going to speak with Alex Moneyshot Meyer, who just released the film Sense of Direction about his summer on the Pacific Northwest Trail. In 2015, Alex was one of only about 70 PNT through hikers to walk the 1,200 mile route, which starts in Glacier National Park in Montana and ends on the Washington coast at Cape Alba in the Olympic National Park. In the podcast, Alex talks about why he chose the PNT for his first thru-hike and also for his first hiking film, and he gives us some history of the uh, Pacific Northwest Trail and some highlights from his trip. So here's the show. All right, this is Bird Shooter, and I'd like to welcome Alex Money Shot Meyer to the show. He has spent the last summer hiking the Pacific Northwest Trail. And over the winter, he finished editing A Sense of Direction, which chronicles his adventures on the PNT and was recently released for free on YouTube. So you have no excuses for missing this uh, excellent film, which is a really well-done documentary of his thru-hike through Montana, Idaho, and Washington State. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. It's good to be here. So, as I understand, you're um, back on the trail right now. Is that correct in uh, Upper Michigan? Uh, yeah, a little bit. It's more of a section hike. So I'm kind of trying to balance work and hiking right now, which I didn't really think was possible, but I think I'm going to be able to do it. <laughs> I'm going to be taking um, taking five days off every two weeks and then just doing a section of the NCT during those five which days. Which is the, the North Country North- Trail. Yeah, North Country Trail, right. So, yeah, I want to ask you some questions about that later. But um, so first off, Alex, I, I got to ask, can you tell the story of your trail name, Money Shot? Because that, that is the first thing that struck me, the classic. <laughs> yeah, you can thank uh, Fitty Shrimp for that name. Who's <laughs> um, in your film, right? Yeah, he was one of the guys I hiked with. Probably, I probably hiked with him most out of everybody else. But um, so we started off in Glacier, and this is actually on the first day of the hike. Um, I'm pretty new to through hiking and just kind of the hiking culture in general. And Fitty Shrimp had already hiked the Appalachian Trail the year before, so he was kind of introducing me to hiker terms and all that kind of stuff and trail names. And him and the other hikers just saw like the ridiculous amount of camera gear that I was carrying, yeah. and. <laughs> Um, it was just kind of towards the end of the first day, I went off to go get some water next to the river and I came back and they were all just kind of sitting there talking amongst themselves and Fiddy said, we got a trail name for you. I just kind of had a feeling I wasn't really going to like it right away, (laughs) but he's like, uh, how's money shot? (laughs) And I'm like, he sought your approval. Yeah. I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess that's all right. (laughs) Basically, you answered one of my questions, and that is you were making movies before you got into uh, hiking and backpacking. Is that right? 
Yeah, like a while before. Um, actually, snowboarding is what got me into making movies in the first place. And that was, I was probably like 13 when I first started doing that kind of stuff. And then I pretty much started filming more than I was snowboarding. And that kind of took over. And then I moved up to the UP, and that's when I kind of discovered nature and hiking and just combined my two favorite things, which are photography and hiking. Yeah, that's awesome. And by the way, a footnote for you, I actually learned to ski um, just south of the UP in uh, Boyne Highlands. Oh, okay. Yeah, back in the day, so many years ago. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to that place, but I've I've heard it's a decent hill. Yeah, that's where that's where I learned. Um but so how did you shift gears and get into into hiking and specifically through hiking? Um well like I said I so I went I moved to the UP and that was to go to school. I went to Northern Michigan University and I actually chose the UP because there is some good snowboarding up here. <laughs> and it's kind of funny cuz I I mean I still snowboard now but I'm much more into hiking and I kind of discovered that while I was up here in the UP. And I never really did a whole lot of long trips up here, like mostly just one-nighters and day trips and stuff, but I always felt like I could kind of do something more extreme than that, and after I graduated college, I kind of saw an opportunity where I had the summer open, didn't really have a serious job or anything like that, so I really wanted to test myself and kind of see what I was capable of, and the PMT yeah, seemed like the ultimate test. <laughs> Yeah, what and, and to your specific area though in the UP, I've done some hiking in that area, and you guys don't kid around when it comes to mosquitoes. I mean, they're the real deal. Yeah. I've hiked, I've hiked in Montana, I've hiked out many places, Canada. Yeah, it gets horrible. But the UP's got, they've got the real deal in mosquitoes. So that was good training too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we, we I think when I sent you an email, I mentioned to you that. Some of your shots in the film blew me away, especially the time lapse shots. I love the 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 way you did the northern lights over time. You mm -hmm. did some nights with stars that were time lapsed. Super cool. Did you have any film training, or did you just kind of learn this all on your own? Um, well, I went to school for digital cinema. That's that was my degree at NMU. Ah, that explains it. Yep. <laughs> so I've there you go. Had some practice with cameras and stuff, but all the nature photography that was kind of self-taught up here in the up yeah well that definitely makes the film i mean you know the editing it was it was clear you had some experience there mm. you know one of the scenes i liked in the show was um at ross lake which god what a beautiful lake that was yeah. you guys at the dam and doing flips off the bridge <laughs> what what state is that in that's in washington pretty much right okay. in the middle um ross lake is at the end of the Pasayan wilderness which is the longest section on the PNT. So that's that 160-mile section where you don't really have a choice. You kind of have to go through that unsupported. And Ross Lake is your first resupply point. Yeah, so, it looked like a beautiful area. Mm -hmm. and, we, and so your thru-hike specifically, you started July 4th. Yeah. You finished September 28th. So I think it said in the film it took you 87 days. Yeah. So right now we're in the heart of through hiking season on the PNT, correct? Yeah. I think people are starting as early as midway through June this year. It kind of just depends on the snow melts. Does it get you all nostalgic and have you gone back through your journals, kind of seeing where you were and what you were doing? 
Yeah, definitely. This, this time last year. <laughs> I've been following the uh, Facebook page for the PNT hikers and seeing people are just getting into like Bonner's Ferry in Idaho and some of them are hitting Washington already. So it's kind of cool, like kind of reliving the trail through these new hikers this year. Yeah, the great thing is you can do it year after year. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the Pacific Northwest Trail for a second. Uh, your film is titled A Sense of Direction. Um, and, and I'm guessing, and I didn't know much about the PNT really until I saw your film. I would I would expect most people don't know much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand, it was developed in the 70s by a man named Ron Strickland. Yep. Um, can you tell us more about him specifically, where he lived, and why he created it? Um, well, he actually sent me his book, Pathfinder, because he's been in contact with me a little bit since he found out I was making this movie. And his book, Pathfinder, kind of it has some stories from the trail and his story of kind of creating the PNT. And he was actually living in Washington, D.C. while he was kind of scouting out the route uh, for the PNT. And eventually he moved out there. But um, he kind of went through a lot of hardships trying to get this trail established and people that you would think would be on board for helping establish the trail were actually really against it. And so it was kind of interesting to read about that. Yeah, now why, why would someone be against it, especially someone that was a avid hiker or backpacker? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of like nature conservancy groups. Um I think the Seattle Mountaineers and the North Cascades Conservancy. I think that's what they were called. But these are the people who kind of established like the North Cascades National Park and some other protected areas. And they kind of saw it as like their own land. So anybody trying to build a trail through there or trying to like encroach on their territory was kind of seen as a threat, I think. Gotcha. And, and I saw, and I think it was actually in your film, that the uh, Pacific Northwest Trail got National Scenic Trail status in 2009. And, and that's a huge deal. The Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trails have had that status for some time. Mm-hmm. Can, can you tell the listeners why that's so important? Yeah, I think um, Ron Strickland could probably do a lot better job of that than me. <laughs> but um, there's 11 National Scenic Trails now. I believe and what that means is that it's just it kind of brings it into the public rec- recognition um the government gets involved and they help raise money and create committees and stuff and protect this land and like a national scenic trail is part of the national parks system and it's technically just like a 2 foot wide strip of land that's protected under the national parks for the whole length of the through hike right so a lot of its funding and protection you had mentioned in your film that a through hike on the PNT is not just a very long walk through the mountains. It's an exploration into the unknown. What what portion of the, uh, I guess it's roughly 1,200-mile trail, mm-hmm. what portions actually blaze today? Um, if I had to guess, I would say it's under a quarter of the trail is actually blazed. Um, a lot of the trail, there's no trail signs or anything, but the tread is pretty good it's not too bad so you can follow it without trail signs and then of course there are the bushwhacks and portions where there's just nothing too but there's (laughs) there's a lot of route finding involved for sure i definitely noticed that in your film a few times that you guys seem like you're in the middle of nowhere 
trying to find your way. Mm-hmm. How how many miles are actually on on paved roads? I'm sure there's forest roads and uh, you know off off non-paved roads that you use. But mm-hmm. what what about actual paved roads? Yeah, there's a lot of road walking. I mean, it's mostly dirt road walking, and I think if you include include the dirt roads, it's about 300 miles. I don't know exactly how much paved road walking there is. There's not a whole lot. I would guess 50 miles or less throughout the whole trail. Yeah, I mean, I can I can live with dirt walking. Yeah, that's not paved, too bad. But, uh, yeah. Um, so you, as I understand it, and maybe it was on the train out to Montana, you met some other hikers for the start. I think Spaceman Spiff was one uh, marathon. You mentioned 50 Shrimp before, and I think there was a guy named Matt. Yeah. H- how much of the trail did you uh, hike with them? Um, I would guess I probably did about 60% of the trail with them or with some of them because the group split up a lot and it was hardly ever all of us together so probably about 60 percent with somebody and about 40 percent alone okay so you were alone a lot then actually Mm -hmm. yeah actually when i was planning this hike i was assuming that i would do the whole thing alone basically um i thought it would be a good idea to at least start with some people so i met marathon and mr bean who's who's also named matt I met them online, and we planned on at least starting together, like doing Glacier together. And then um, Fitty Shrimp and Spaceman Spiff came out with us on the train, too. And so nobody was really planning on this, but we all ended up starting together with a group of five, which was definitely the biggest group on the PNT that year. (laughs) Yeah, so you want to talk about kind of, you mentioned that you started in Glacier, kind of where it starts and where it ends. Yeah, it's at Chief Mountain in Glacier National Park. It's East Glacier. Um, that's the eastern terminus. And then it goes through the panhandle of Idaho and all the way through Washington, pretty much staying pretty close to the Canadian border the whole way. And then the western terminus is at Cape Alava. It's the westernmost point of the contiguous United States. Hey, I've actually hiked that area before. It's beautiful. Yeah, that was incredible. I wasn't expecting yeah. the ocean to be so beautiful. Yeah, the coastal section, although it's it's tough hiking in sand all day, you know. Mm-hmm. That mix of rocks and sand and slick uh, algae covered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not easy. There's a lot of variability there. Like sometimes the beaches were amazing. If you had low tide, it was nice and flat and kind of hard packed sand. And yeah, sometimes real slippery rocks with high tide, you're pushed up against a bluff. That can be pretty tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, the tides, too, obviously. You kind of got to play the tides to make sure you don't get pinned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a whole other element to try and learn. And yeah. we definitely messed that up a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be hard to do because they come in fast up there. Yeah, I got a nice shot of Marathon kind of, like, hugging a rock as he's trying to, like, skirt around this point. <laughs> I, I remember the scene. Yeah. <laughs> so National Parks, you got Glacier, Olympic... North Cascade, is that is yeah? That the three. Those are the three national parks, and then there's seven national forests too. Right, right. Which some of that territory look beautiful, especially some of the fire towers in there, which I'll ask you about here in a sec. Oh yeah. But but you mentioned in the show that the trail is still very unknown and unestablished. That many local residents don't even know that it passes through their backyard. Yeah, how did you 
how'd you hear about it? I mean, if they don't even know it's there, how did you find out about it? Well, it's kind of funny how I found out about it because, I mean, I decided I wanted to do a through hike and make a movie about it, and that was kind of my basis. So then I had to pick a trail, and of course the PCT and the AT are the two most popular ones, so I kind of knew about those already. But I kind of like the solitude, and I didn't really want to be within a train of hikers the whole way. So I was looking for something a little more un- unknown, and that's when I found the PNT just online. And with it being 1,200 miles, that kind of fit my timeline a little bit better, too. Because then it was like three months instead of six months. Yeah, i, I got to believe you're the first guy to make a movie on the PNT. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as I know, first full-length movie. That's kind of a nice honor to be the first one. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool to find out because <laughs> I had already decided to do it, and then probably about halfway through the hike, I kind of realized that there had been nothing else made about this, really. So that'd be cool if this kind of helps promote the PNT. Yeah, I mean, I it, without a doubt, I think it will significantly help promote the PNT. Um, and, you know, in watching the film... Of course, I was looking for sort of the trail towns and the, the trail hostels. I wanted to ask you about those. Um, it sounds like there's already trail angels out there on the PNT, believe it or not, despite yeah. the fact that it's so unknown. Yeah, there's a few for sure. Um, in the guidebook, uh, Tim Youngblues, Pacific Northwest Trail Digest, um, he listed like the official trail angels, the ones that have kind of signed up to volunteer to be put into the book and i think the year like 2015 when i did it there were two or three in there and this year there's like 19 oh wow (laughs) it's already blown up pretty well yeah and you're also catching them early in the process where they're not just tired of all the hikers coming through you know yeah exactly it's still a novelty to them i know we definitely created a few trail trail angels on our hike yeah that's cool what did you have a favorite trail town that you went through? Um, I think it's kind of a tie between Medellin Falls and Port Townsend. Kind of for different reasons. Like Medellin Falls is a really cool tiny little town and the trail angel there, uh, Mary Kate from Boundary Tours, she's probably the most famous trail angel on the PNT and she just made that town amazing. It was really nice staying with her and she fed us like steak and potatoes one night and she actually this is another story but when we were leaving Medellin Falls there's a fire that closed the section between Medellin Falls and Northport and she drove us around the fire all the way to Northport so that was like 40 miles and so that was pretty nice of her yeah and she is is that Washington is that where that yeah. is yeah that's more like eastern Washington and then um, the other place you mentioned, that's a suburb of Seattle, correct? Yeah, Port Townsend is like in the Puget Sound area. That's like uh, when you take the ferry from Oak Harbor to Port Townsend. That's where you land, and then you're on the Olympic Peninsula. And that's just right. a really yeah. cool town. Yeah, and I noticed in the film that you guys actually do a fair amount of hiking kind of through the Seattle suburbs. Did, did I read that correctly? Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure what constitutes like the Seattle suburbs, but there is a, a section after the North Cascades 
between that and like the Puget Sound, and that's a pretty populated part of the trail. And you're in a town almost every day. Yeah, and this is actually a great time to ask you the question because I believe in your film you did the Rails Trails alternate route that was around the Puget Sound area, but there are a lot of alternate routes right now. Yeah. <laughs> and is there kind of a go-to route and then sort of spur options, I guess? Or, or can you talk about the alternate routes? Yeah, there's well, there's the official route that's like the congressionally designated route. So when they established it as a National Scenic Trail in 2009, they had to pick one route. And so there is like an official route. But in a lot of cases, it's just not the best way to go for whatever reason. Like there's different issues with landowners and trail maintenance and just whatever. So there's all kinds of alternate routes that are still in place right now. And sometimes the the alternates are better. So I thought that was kind of a cool aspect of the trail because everybody gets to kind of choose their own way. It's kind of decide whatever works best for them. Yeah. And one thing I have to give you big time kudos for is the way that you use Google maps and with different colors of trail showed the main trail and some of the alternate routes. Cause as you had mentioned, you had split up from the other guys and you know, you didn't all necessarily go the same exact route. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really cool. How did you do that? So I got those GPS tracks from Lee Brantfors, and he was—he's kind of been like the unofficial um, map maker, I guess. He's kind of just took it upon himself to make these GPS tracks, and I think most of the hikers would agree that they've been the best maps on the PNT so far. Um, I'm not sure if he's still doing it. Nobody's really heard from him for a while, but. He's had some pretty good maps, so those are the ones that I used for the Google Earth maps part and just overlaid those. And that was a lot of work trying to get those videos to play right. Like, Google Earth yeah. is just not exactly made for that. <laughs> right. I, I can imagine, but it adds a lot to the film because, especially for a trail like the PNT, which is not well-known, mm-hmm. really helps you understand where it goes and, you know, the peaks you're crossing and that sort of thing. Yeah, I really wanted to just establish how how unfinished it is because you can see that in all those different alternate routes. Like, it's still kind of feeling its way through the mountains and kind of figuring out what the best route is. Yeah, you did a great job of it. Let Let me ask you the uh, I guess the the big questions about the PNT. Like the the craziest thing you saw when you were hiking the Pacific Northwest Trail. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to go through, but I think, um, this is just kind of my favorite weird thing that I saw, um, in Eastern Washington, it's like cattle country and it's really dry and dusty and there's cows everywhere. So that's just kind of a whole nother element that you're dealing with. But, uh, <laughs> I was walking on a, just a dirt road and it was on a pretty steep hillside. So the, the road's flat pretty steep hill on both sides of me and there's some cows on the road and normally the cows will see you and they kind of look at you for a while and then one will start running and then all the rest start running well this kind of group of cows is looking at me one cow sounds kind of like a stampede yeah (laughs) well that's kind of what happened like one cow started running so they all took off and this one like one of the biggest cows in the group 
slipped as he was trying to run up over the road and just started rolling down the hill <laughs> for wow. probably a good like 30 seconds this just huge cows just rolling down the hill taking out trees and stuff on the way down that's a big big animal yeah it's like a steamroller <laughs> he got up at the bottom i think he's okay uh, looking at it now is that when you is that when you laugh the hardest or the you got a when did you laugh the hardest on the hike if it wasn't at this time uh that might have been one of the times and <laughs> another time would have been um I don't, did you watch the movie all all the way to the end and see Marathon's burp fart? You know, I kind of vaguely remember that. Was that when he was sitting around like a white table? Yeah, that was like the very last clip of the movie after the credits and everything. I, I just kind of put that in there for him. <laughs> I think I've... Because you had a few little shots at the very end after the credits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this, that's cool. this is like his thing that he did. I don't know why or how he came up with it he said he came up with in college it's called the burp fart nice (laughs) and it's basically he just burps and then he makes a fart noise wow and that that takes talent that's the kind of thing that you learn in college yeah i guess (laughs) most valuable thing you took away from it but every once in a while he would get a real burp fart like a real burp and a real fart (laughs) man look out (laughs) those are funny yeah. Now, where did you do those interviews? Were they all done in the same place? You had the couple. I, I assume they were a couple. Yeah. And you had Marathon, and I think you did. Well, Fitty Shrimp looked like he was out in the middle of the woods somewhere. Yeah, those were like they were all done towards the end of the trail. Like, to be honest, I kind of dropped the ball in the interviews a little bit. <laughs> I was planning on doing those all on the trail earlier on, but then I just kind of lost track of people, and they got ahead of us. But so I did. Fitty Shrimp's interview on the trail, and that was like 11 miles from the ocean, I think, so pretty close to the end. And then Freebird's interview was right on the beach, so that was definitely the best location. And then everybody else was after I finished the trail. So we stayed at uh, Stumbling Norwegian's house for a few days afterwards, and I did some interviews there. And then another one in Pike's Place Market in Seattle, too. Yeah, I actually thought the way you did the interviews was um, was was perfect. It what it was the right amount for the film, so I think you had all the footage you needed. No, oh, well, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> I was just yeah. hoping the setting would be a little bit better for some of them, but I'll take that to the next documentary, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I thought you did a great job with it, actually. Um, was it was there any point in time that you were really angry, really? ticked off on your hike like when something went really wrong yeah there were definitely times of some intense frustration <laughs> and i mean i think that's just to be expected with a, any kind of adventure this long like there's going to be highs and lows um but the only times i was really mad was when it was a mistake that i made and i was just frustrated at myself definitely making the wrong turns going the wrong direction there were a few times where I walked like a few miles the wrong direction, and when you realize that, that's never fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it's ma- mainly navigation things. Yeah, gotcha. and um, I broke my camera lens, and yeah. I think that was like early on in Washington, and that sucked for a few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and for the listeners, you actually mentioned at the end of your movie... Um, exactly the equipment you carried, which was only about seven pounds. Actually, I didn't think that was bad. 
for the for the photography that you got. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. what what do you think was the most brutal section of the trail? Um, so as far as terrain, like the the type of environment that we were going through. Yeah, or however you want to define brutal, you know, um, ups and downs, or uh, yeah, there's it, there's a scratched legs that comes to mind definitely, <laughs> and that was um, going into the Olympic National Forest. So this is after Port Townsend. Um, there's a, a section that they're definitely still working out. And this is part of the paved walking, like you're walking on Highway 20 and US 101. So these are like major highways. It's like, I want to say six miles, six or nine miles on these highways. And then from there, um, you go onto some dirt roads, which eventually dead end and you have to keep going. And on the map, on the GPS, it says that there's a trail there, but there's literally nothing. And the brush here is what made it so terrible, because it's just thorns everywhere. There's blackberry bushes, stinging nettles, and down trees, and it's just really, really, really thick. And that was that was definitely the most brutal section. Yeah, you definitely had some gnarly bushwhacks in there. It made me want to have long pants on when I saw your legs a couple yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I had pants. Yes. It seems like that's a requirement. Well, Marathon didn't have pants, so I don't know how he got through that part. <laughs> Oof. The, the, the listeners will have to watch to fully appreciate the bloodletting that went on in some of those bushy sections. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were pretty open in the film about, you know, that the yellow blazing was not completely uncommon, and it, you had just, I think, hit on the reason because there's a couple road sections that sound like they're pretty dangerous to walk. Mm-hmm. Can, can you comment on that? Yeah, so, I mean, when I started the trail, I didn't start it with the intention of being a purist or anything like that. Like, I actually didn't even know what that term meant (laughs) in through hiker terminology. I mean, I was just trying to get kind of the most adventure as I could out of the experience. And sometimes hitchhiking is going to be a lot more adventurous than walking all day on a road. So I was definitely okay with doing that. And, um... It it just makes sense, I think, to hitchhike some of these roads because there's nothing to see really, and it's just and it, I don't know the roads get pretty long sometimes. Yeah, and what what percentage of the through hikers kind of follow that strategy, or is there actually a large percentage that just try to push through and walk it end to end? Yeah, there were definitely um, purist hikers on the trail. Maybe probably met seven or eight. Uh, other hikers oh, yeah. that at least attempted to hike, hike hike every foot of the trail. And it was kind of funny because there are some sections where you literally were not allowed to hike. Like um, going into Ross Lake when there were all those wildfires everywhere. Like the whole Ross Lake resort was shut down and Highway 20 was closed. And the rangers weren't letting anybody hike those sections. And I think some of the uh, purist hikers had to actually... They were forced to take a, a hitchhike ride through that part. <laughs> oh, so they 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 actually didn't have the option of walking. Huh? Yeah, because I mean the trail goes along Highway 20 there, and they had no choice; like they couldn't walk it, so they had to get the ride. Yeah, I mean sometimes things are out of your control, and you have to roll with the the situation. Yeah, 
I think that's acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually like Fifty Shrimp's quote when he said, hike your own hike. You don't have to answer to anyone mm-hmm. or explain to anyone why you're doing this, right? Yeah, exactly. Which I which I thought was, was a great quote in the movie. And he was a purist on the Appalachian Trail the year before. And so with this trail, he was kind of more relaxed about it, I guess. It sounds like you have to to be. Yeah. Now, did you spend the entire time hiking uh, westbound until you reached the coast? And then I I guess you turned north, obviously. Yeah, it's basically west the whole way. There's a little bit of a dip, kind of goes south and then back north um, early on in Washington. But, yeah, most of the time it's westward. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you, because there was that scene in the cable car. Was that in North Cascades National Park? Yeah. yeah. That Is fun. that where they filmed the movie Shoot to Kill with Tom Berenger? Because I was having flashbacks to that 1988 movie. Oh, really? Yeah. That movie yeah. is before my time. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I've gotcha. seen that. Yeah, there's like a cable car scene, but that looked really cool. I mean, you're I guess you're going over a giant canyon, right? Mm-hmm. I guess I wouldn't doubt it. I think, I'm pretty sure that's kind of a historical spot. I think that's been there a while. Yeah. And it sounds, definitely sounds pretty old. You can hear that in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of screechy wheels. Right. Make you a little nervous. Yep. <laughs> were, were you nervous when you went across it, or it didn't even phase you? You were just so fired up. Uh, more excited than nervous, but definitely a little bit nervous. <laughs> I There's nobody imagine. there to, I didn't know, like, when the last time that had been run or anything. But yeah. Actually, in order to get that shot, like I went across the cable car three times. So, oh, really? Because <laughs> you have to set up the camera, go across to film that, and then you have to go back and get the camera. Then you go back, get the camera, and then go across again to get to the other side. Well, that was one of the questions I had for you, because you, you have a lot of shots like that where it was clear to me that you had to set the camera up, walk, and then go back and get it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, did, did it make it hard to keep up with the group when you're... Yeah, I mean, you're filming, you're making a movie, you're basically working, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that make it hard to keep up with the pack? Yeah, that definitely made me leg behind a lot. But, I mean, I kind of knew going into it that that's how it would be. And even just um, hiking up here in the UP before I did this hike, I've always had my camera with me, so I'm just kind of used to being the guy in the back who's always catching up, which is all right yeah. with me, I mean... That's what I like to do, so it's, it wasn't like a, a bad thing that I was lagging behind because of that. It's yeah. a lot of extra walking. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I liked, yeah, you had some great, great shots from fire towers. Um, yeah. well, does the trail go above treeline much? Yeah. Um, that was actually Ron Strickland's motto when he was making this trail was to stay high for the views. So... Pretty much whenever it's possible, like if there's already a trail that exists above the tree line, the PNT is going to take it. So I, I think that makes this trail kind of unique and really interesting. And um, I was actually talking to Freebird about it, and he's the most experienced hiker I've ever talked to for sure. And he said that that was one of the things that kind of made the PNT stand out amongst other through hikes that he's done. Is that there's a lot of these fire lookouts and. I guess they just don't really exist anymore in the other areas. They've been torn down or whatever. Yeah, like I think the AT is a great example. They used to have a lot of fire towers on the Appalachian Trail. They were actually manned at one time, 
but um, you know, obviously the AT is aged. Mm-hmm. But um, so Stall Peak was one of the fire towers, which I think you had set your camera up in and got a really cool shot of a storm coming in. Where, where is that? Uh, that's in Montana, in the Flathead National Forest. And yeah, that was a really cool. That was definitely the coolest looking uh, fire lookout. We actually stayed there that night. Yeah, another one of the times you had an amazing time lapse time lapse shot there. Did did it really have giant rats in there? You you yeah. commented in the film <laughs> that you got torn up. Yeah, those I'm not exaggerating, like those are the biggest rats I've ever seen, for sure. And they had bushy tails. You know, you show that beautiful scenery and all I'm thinking about is how awesome that it would be to spend a night in that in that fire tower and then the next morning you're talking about these giant rats that ravaged your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> well I'm definitely glad we stayed there. That was for sure worth the experience. But I didn't really yeah. sleep that well. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, the rats are just scurrying around and because um, I slept up in the second story because it was like a two story uh cabin and Marathon Spaceman and Mr. Bean were downstairs and I remember just kinda hearing like some scurrying going on down there and I'd turn my headlamp on and showing it through the hole in the floor. And I this is like before I we knew the rats were in there. And I just saw this giant rat the marathon was scaring out the door. <laughs> and there were a couple other other rats in there that night too. So they kinda bothered us the whole night. Yeah, they they uh they almost sound like wild animals, like wild giant game. Yeah. <laughs> now that was looked like a pretty nasty storm that night you were in there. Um, was that was probably not the worst storm you encountered on the trail? I'm guessing. Um, well, I was trying to think about it, and there really weren't a whole lot of bad storms that we encountered. Um, if I had to pick the worst thing, it would have been in the Pesaten Wilderness, and this was. This is the part where the PNT meets up with the uh, Pacific Crest Trail. So for about 15 miles, it's the same trail. Most PNC, PNT hike, or PCT hikers are going north, and we're going south. And, of course, it's supposed to be, like, some of the best views on either trail. And it snowed that day. <laughs> and it was yeah, like, well, I think, was that when you had precipitation, like, four days in a row? Um, that was in the Olympics. That was kind of bad, too, but it wasn't really a bad storm. It was just a lot of rain. But on this part on the PCT, yeah, we had, there was, like, blizzard conditions for a little bit. Yeah, so this was your first thru-hike, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, what a, that's amazing, in a sense. I mean, you're, you're taking on such a, I mean, it sounds like a pretty tough trail, to be honest. But um, did the weather, I mean, kind of surprise you, or is it sort of what you kind of expected? I mean, going into this, I really had no expectations because I'd never done anything like this before. Like, I'd never even hiked in the mountains before this. And so I kind of tried to be prepared, and just my plan was to just kind of deal with it <laughs> in the moment. But I guess I am a little bit surprised that the weather wasn't as bad as, as it could have been because it, it really wasn't that bad all the way through. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you are in the Pacific Northwest, which is wet by definition. Mm-hmm. When you get out of those dry regions, you know, desert where the storms are picked off by the mountains. Yeah, but but then you are also battling with with fires, which I guess is more and more common out west these days. Um, 
there was only one fire that you had to kind of manage around? Um, there were a lot of fires. Uh, I think there was only one fire that actually forced us to reroute, and that was the one coming out of Medellin Falls because the trail was closed there. But um, there were a lot of fires when we were hiking through the Pasadena and the North Cascades, and most of Washington pretty much. There was pretty much always a fire in front of us or behind us, and so there was a lot of smoke that we were hiking through. Yeah, there goes my whole theory about the Pacific Northwest being wet. Yeah. <laughs> you just debunked it. Well, I mean, last year, 2015, was, I'm pretty sure, like one of the driest years on record. And it was definitely the worst fire year they've had on record. So that was kind of a unique time for us to be hiking through there. Yeah. So let, let's talk about where the trail ends, which is the Pacific Coast. Um and we mentioned it earlier. I mean, you would think it would be one of the easier sections because it's flat. Mm-hmm. Is it? Um, I would say it's maybe not equally challenging, maybe slightly easier, but it's definitely not easy. And it's just for different reasons. Because, I mean, you're not dealing with elevation, but now you have to deal with the tides and you have to time that. Sometimes you have to get up early or hike late or something. And sometimes the beach walking is really nice, but that can get old too, depending on kind of what condition the sand is in and the rocks and stuff too. Like the rocks don't look that slippery until you step on them. (laughs) Each one's kind of an unknown. You kind of have to test it out and that can get pretty treacherous. It can make walking really slow if you're walking those rocks. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier and you throw the algae on there even more so. Yeah. Um, so you get near the end and you find out that there's a lunar eclipse, a harvest moon and a super moon yeah. all on the same night. I mean, that is awesome. Yeah. I couldn't believe that, that coincidence that it just seemed to kind of line up and like I could, I had kind of heard about it in town, which is like three or four days earlier, but I knew that we'd be so far like on the West coast and I knew that the best places to see it were farther East. So I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, didn't really think we'd see much of it. But then we get to this point where there's just a random bluff, like rising out of the beach that would allow us to get above the tree line and look to the east. And there's really like nothing else in the area that would have worked except this one spot. And we reached it kind of towards the end of the day. So it just kind of seemed like it was meant to be. So we spent our last night there and it was, it was awesome. Yeah, you actually you got a great shot of it in your in your uh, movie. What do you want to comment on filming that? Because that didn't look easy to film. Uh, well, actually, I'd filmed a few of those blood moons before um, in the UP, so I I kind of had a few chances to mess it up, <laughs> some practice here before I so I kind of knew the settings and stuff and what it would take to film that. So I, I kind of knew what to expect at least at the end of the hike here yeah you definitely got it right so um the trail ends at cape alva which we talked about earlier which is a really cool little loop hike if you're just out for a couple days but Mm -hmm. you know obviously a little more important to you because you hike 1200 miles (laughs) to get there Uh, i mean the immediate thing that i took away from your film was the the disappointment that there was no sign at the end of the pnt or at least some uh (laughs) 
you know, something yeah. to, you know, say, hey, guys, you made it. Congratulations. Yep. Is that still the case, or did uh, did a sign finally go up? Um, as far as I know, there's nothing there. I mean, I I haven't really heard anything, so maybe something's gone up since then. But, yeah, we were looking around, and there's nothing. Yeah. It looks like a pretty place to finish, though. Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of uneventful because it's it looks just like everything else we've been hiking at like along the beach and this is just geographically this one point happens to stick out a little bit farther than anything else so it, it doesn't it doesn't really look like a finish line if that makes sense yeah well maybe someone will see your movie or hear this podcast and a sign will be there for the uh hikers finishing this september yeah i mean i'd I don't. I wouldn't say I was disappointed that there was no sign, because I mean I think we all kind of knew what to expect. Like after hiking the whole PNT, you kind of you know that there's not going to be a whole lot of markings and stuff at the end. I think it's just kind of funny, and I think it it really kind of fits like symbolically what the PNT is like when you get to the end, and there's just kind of nothing there. You're like oh well, I guess this is it. I got to figure out the next thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the things that seemed really cool to me in your film was just that the, uh, you know, it'd be like going back and hiking the Appalachian Trail in the 50s, or maybe like the Pacific Crest Trail in the 60s or 70s, you know, Mm -hmm. like you you guys are the true pioneers of the PNT, which is kind of cool, and that's something that only a small select group is going to have the opportunity to do, Mm -hmm. so that's pretty awesome for you guys how was uh the pacific northwest trail exactly like you thought it would be and how was it different um i guess like i said before i really had no idea what to expect and i think just the experience of a through hike was kind of what surprised me more than the trail itself because i had never done a through hike or anything like that before so i was just really surprised with how much adventure and like how much you can see in a day and that you can just keep doing that for three months (laughs) like we finished glacier national park and it just completely blew my mind and i we finished that and i'm just like was there's more like i was pretty satisfied with that (laughs) but i was really excited just to see what was up next and i couldn't couldn't really imagine what would come up for the next three months. Yeah. Do you have any advice to uh, prospective hikers that are planning on doing a Pacific Northwest trail section or through hike? Um, I guess I would say like, of course it's a good idea to plan and plan as much as you can, but at a certain point you kind of just have to go out there and do it. (laughs) And know that you're not going to be prepared for every situation and that's okay and um if you if you have at least some experience you can kind of draw on that and kind of get through any unexpected problems that you're going to run into because that's going to happen because i mean i see a lot of people talk about wanting to do a through hike or wanting to do some big adventure like this but they always seem to find excuses why it, it like not possible for them to do it and i think it just kind of comes down to you just kind of have to get out there and do it yeah you got to want it because uh 
there's always some reason to keep you from going, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in you you had mentioned in your film that in 2014 there were only about 20 through hikers on the PNT, but this year, I guess the year you did it actually, there was 70, um, and you called it a breakout year. Have you have you had a lot of inquiries since your film came out about uh, the Pacific Northwest Trail? Um, not a whole lot. I'm actually not really sure how many people were on the trail this year. I've heard anywhere from like 40 hikers to 70 hikers. So 70 is kind of on the high end, but it's definitely at least double the previous year. And I think so far my, my videos kind of only reached the people who already know about the PNT. So it's not, um, not like a whole not a whole lot of new people are seeing it yet. So maybe by next year, I think we'll kind of get to that point. Well, I'm trying to help you with that. Maybe some listeners of the podcast will be inspired for a, uh, a more remote wilderness experience. Yeah, that'll help. That, uh, <laughs> they'll be inspired by your film as well. Mm-hmm. And I think just to kind of get people to spread off of the the main through hikes, like the PCT and the AT, I think more people are looking for a deeper kind of wilderness experience that, I mean, of course, you get those on the PCT and the AT, but you don't get as many people on the PNT, obviously. And I think, at least for me, that was a big part of it. Yeah, I, I would agree with you completely. I think that's one of the reasons I think your film will be a cult favorite going forward. Um, hey, so let, let's talk about just your filmmaking for a minute. Like, who inspired you in terms of hiking films, or or even just in films in general? Um, so, like I said, the snowboarding is kind of what got me into filmmaking and i don't know if you've ever heard of these guys but there's a company called brain farm and they've made some really epic snowboard movies like that's it that's all and the art of flight and basically it's just it kind of combined really professional good-looking cinematography with snowboarding and that was kind of unique in the snowboard movie world and i that was something that i was really interested in because my kind of primary focus has always been getting really good-looking shots, and that's just been my favorite thing to do, and then kind of build a story around that, I guess. And there were some other hiking movies I saw, too, like a few about the PCT that were kind of really interesting to me and that inspired me for sure to make a, a hiking movie. We've we've actually interviewed Squatch on this show, who uh, made a few films about the PCT. And like you, Alex, he was not originally a hiker. He became a hiker because he was a filmmaker first. So may, maybe you're on that same path. Oh yeah, that sounds like a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do you want to talk about uh, what you're currently working on? Because I understand you're, as we mentioned earlier, the North Country Trail is is uh, currently part of your your uh, summer hiking experience. Yeah, this was kind of like a real spontaneous decision, which the PNT was kind of a spontaneous decision for me too, so that worked out all right. <laughs> but um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was just planning on living up here in the UP and working this summer and kind of just hiking as much as I could. But, I mean, ever since the PNT, I could, can't really stop thinking about through hiking and just that kind of lifestyle. So I was looking for some kind of way to do some more of that up here. And 
of course, the, Nor- the North Country Trail runs right through the UP. And I thought that would be a pretty good opportunity to kind of just work on a new project. And so I'm going to try and hike across the UP and make some kind of movie about that. And this this whole idea is only a few weeks old, so this is real in the adolescent stage still. Still kind of figuring out what I want to do with it. Through hiking is addictive, brother. Yeah. As you have found out. That's Yeah, I mean, I, when I decided to do the PNT, I'm like, oh, I'll do that and kind of get that out of my system. <laughs> but that's In not North, what happened. Yeah, the North Country Trail, what is that, about 400 miles? Do I have that right? Um, The whole trail is like 4,600 miles. Oh, I wasn't even close. <laughs> but there's 400 miles of it in the UP, or about oh, that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were tackling 400 miles. That's I was trying to understand where I got that, yeah. so that makes sense. So there's obviously another film in the works, huh? Yeah, and I've been talking to a few friends up here, and even at my work, my boss is interested in working on the film with me, too. So that should be interesting to bring in a few more people to work on it, too, and kind of see how their perspective influences it. Yeah, so a question I had for you is how, well, you're working though. I guess that that explains it, how you get the time and the money to uh, go out and do these these wilderness adventures. I mean, how do you find an employer that kind of works with you on that? Um, well, so when I did the PNT, that was sort of a unique time because, like, I just graduated college and didn't really have anything like I didn't have a serious job lined up or anything like that so um, I was actually editing a documentary for a retired professor at the school and that was a really nice job because I could just kind of work work on that whenever I wanted to so I could kind of set my own hours and um, yeah so that just worked out pretty well for me because I pretty much finished up that documentary right at the beginning of the summer and um, I had saved up enough money by then so that worked out pretty well. Yeah, well, I, I guess in this day and age too you got Kickstarter so uh, that that's always an option. Yeah. Or GoFundMe, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you this question because you make this wonderful film I mean, phenomenal. I can't encourage listeners to watch it more, which is why I reached out to you. And it's free. It's absolutely <laughs> <makes> it even <laughs> better. free. doesn't cost a penny. Um, is is that business model going to continue, or uh, you're just going to take this case by case? Yeah, it's going to be case by case. I'm not really sure because, I mean, when I made this movie, I was, I'm basically just trying to establish myself and trying to get this movie out there and have as many people see it as possible. So to make it free, I think would be the best way to do that. <laughs> yeah. All the more reason to maybe go Kickstarter and go fund me now that you have a, uh, you know, a following. Yeah. So it's really up in the air. I don't really know where it's going to go from here. Um, I'm just going to keep on doing the kind of work I like to do and just kind of figure out what to do with it, I guess. Yeah. So do you want to, um, do you want to plug maybe your website and your your show is obviously available on YouTube, but just tell the listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so my website is fiveacesmedia.net, and that's all spelled out. And it's the same thing on Facebook, just Five Aces Media. And I'm on Twitter, but I don't really use that a whole lot, so it's mostly just my website and the Facebook. 
where you can find updates. And I'll be posting pictures and stuff from my NCT hikes this summer on the Facebook page, too. Yeah, awesome. So a sense of, a sense of direction is the uh, the movie that the listeners need to look for. And then, Alex, i got to ask you one closing question, because it was about Freebird, who we mentioned a couple times in the uh, mm-hmm. podcast today. But, you know, the interview you did with him really struck me, um, because he's said that he basically spent the last 10 years of his life through hiking. Yeah. He has no car. He's got no house. I, I would assume he's got no wife. Yep. Because <laughs> I, t- I could tell you my wife wouldn't stick around if I split <laughs> yeah. for 10 years. But I'm just kind of curious, um, where is he now? Because he seemed, he truly seemed free. Yeah. Um, he's a very unique person. Like, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people like him in the world. Who have like accomplished the things that he's accomplished too. Um, so I've talked to him once since the end of the trail, and that was maybe a month ago. And since the end of the P- PNT, he's already hiked or he's already done another through hike, which is the Grand Enchantment Trail. Oh, okay. And that's 770 miles. And he's probably started another through hike since then, which is the Great Divide Trail in Canada. Up Rocky right. Mountains, and then that's another 700 plus miles. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that's just his life. He he just walks every day, pretty much. Yeah, he had an impressive resume. Yeah, um, which you detail in the movie. Yeah, I actually added up all those miles just from the through hikes that he's done, and his total miles are greater than the circumference of the Earth. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is just that's just mind blowing to me. I can't even imagine that. Yeah. Well, Alex, I loved your film. That's why I reached out to you. Um, again, I can't encourage the listeners enough to watch it. It's just well done in so many ways. Um, thanks for being on the show. And uh, Yeah, thanks I'll for having you. me. This has been really fun. I wish you the best and uh, look forward to your next feature film on the North Country Trail. All right. Thank you. I have Absolutely. no idea when that's going to be done, but probably yeah. sometime <laughs> winter or spring or something. It's a long winter up there. Yeah. I imagine you'll somehow get it done then. Yeah, there's plenty of time to edit. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being on the show, Alex. Yep, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app, and give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures, Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2Backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number 2, backpacking.com.